it's always good to good to meet new people for sure. And that's probably why it's been really fun starting out in Indiana here um, and getting things going. This is the Ag Bioscience Podcast. Welcome. Thanks for joining. I'm Mitch Frazier, CEO of Agrinovis Indiana. This is the podcast where we explore all things ag bioscience, the people, the products, the innovations across food, animal health, plant science, and ag tech. We're joined today by a newcomer to Indiana. He is an innovator, an entrepreneur, and has a bold vision to bring innovation and greater precision to the grain industry. Welcome Chief Operating Officer of Nanobio Designs, Ryan Scar to the podcast. Ryan, thanks for I'm, being here. Hi Mitch, how are you doing today? I am terrific and so elated to be speaking with you. Holy cow, we have a lot to cover today. So much great in the nanobio story, Ryan. But I always want to, I always love to start so people get to know you. Before we jump into nanobio design, let's get to know you. If you would share with us more about your journey from where you grew up to now here in Indiana. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I'm Iowa kid, born and raised. So from a small, small town, Story City, City, Iowa. Um, parents were both teachers. Dad's a professor at Iowa State and mom's a, an elementary school teacher um, at in Ames, Iowa. And uh, grew up on kind of a small family farm, did the whole 4-H FFA livestock stuff. Um, and that's obviously kind of led into my ag background that I'm working in now. Um, surprisingly, that's not how I started out. Um, but ended up uh, as a basketball kid, to be honest with you, was not a, I liked science, was always a big part of it, but loved basketball, went to Simpson College, um, played D Division Three basketball there um, for the Storm, so go Storm. Uh, and that's kind of where I got connected to some really great professors uh, who actually ended up being um, the other founders in our company. So Derek Lyons and Aaron Santos were my chemistry and physics advisors at Simpson. Um, and that kind of got this whole train started of like, wow, I really like nanoparticles. I like nanoparticle assembly, um, left to go to grad school and didn't get to stay very long for about two years and came right back to this um, and tried to spin out this company and, and make a product out of it and solve some big, big problems out there. But yeah, started, started with basketball, biochemistry found its way into my life. Um, and so now I'm here and here in Indiana in a great, great basketball state to begin with. So excited. Ex all, it all plays together, Mitch, I promise. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, I don't know there's a better combination than science and basketball yep. than right here in Indiana. So glad, glad you're here, Ryan. Let's dig into nanobiodesigns. You, I love this story. You identified a problem that farmers face when they take grain to the elevator, specifically yep. around the detection of GMO traits. Ryan, this is incredible. Tell us more about the problem that you and the nanobiodesigns team are solving and, and how you're doing it with technology. Yeah. So there's obviously, if you're, you go to any grocery store, we can always start there, start with the consumer and then go back to the producer, right? So if you look, walk around the grocery stores, there's that, a bigger effort for knowing what's in your food products, right? And so you start seeing these labels that called butterfly labels, like the non-GMO project or GMO free or organic. And so there's farmers are now growing to meet those demands in the food supply, growing GMO free crops. Well, if they spend that time while you're growing it, they actually get a premium from when they bring it to the elevator who then ships it off to a food processor and then it becomes your potato chips or, or different products like that, right? And so problem is, is that when that grain shows up to the elevator, the farmer's grown it all year, did everything right, no cross-pollination, everything. He shows up to the elevator 
a normal elevator process is to test the grain. Let's verify its moisture content. Let's weigh it, weigh it out. Um, and then genetic detection is, or trait identification is now in that pipeline. And uh, for us, it's GMO, so it could be anything. But farmer pulls up to the elevator. They do testing for moisture content, weight, uh, and then now trait identification is in that mixture, right? And they have two testing processes to identify the problem. First is you've got a protein test, which is um, like that rapid test that you would experience. You know, the example I always use is COVID testing today. Sure. You want to go to the, the Walgreens or the CVS, you can get the rapid test. It's like usually a strip test. You put it in a little, with a little vial or something, you put your spit in there and, and then mix it around. And then it shows up a different color, whether the trait is there or not. Second option is a, is a genetic test where they actually take that same sample and they send it off to a lab. Same thing as you rolled up to the hospital. So the hospital is your grain elevator as an individual. They take that sample and then you wait a week to find out if you had COVID a week ago. Same thing with corn is the farmer pulls up, they send it off for a genetic test and they're waiting a week to get that answer back. Whether the answer is actually correct or not, that's a different side of the problem, but you have delays in the supply chain. Um, and the reason they're doing those genetic tests is because those protein tests have those accuracy issues, right? We have accuracy issues with the COVID testing as well on some protein type tests. And so finding those genetic solutions, which is your truest source for what actually is the content of the sample is really, really important. And it's really important to find it quickly. And so that's what we're really trying to address is having that fast genetic detection solution that is also has that accuracy so that the farmer can get that premium at the end of the day and the elevator can sell it or export it to EU who has higher, uh, uh, they call it GMO standards, essentially. They've had higher genetic content standards for what can be imported into their countries. And so that's where we're at is at those testing locations, trying to speed things up and provide that accuracy that's still required. Ryan, that explanation, super helpful. The comparison to COVID tests, I think really brings it home for folks who may not be familiar and when you and I talked initially, you know, this is a this is a really quick strip test today that they're doing at the elevator. You know, comes back. I think you said ten or fifteen minutes. The innovation that you're developing is slightly different, correct? It's not yep. just a strip test. Tell, talk with us more about what that innovation is. Yeah. So our innovation is we've taken um, taking advantage of the power of nanoparticles or microparticle assembly, and so. For us, we have uh, these particles that are, think of it like as Legos floating around in a bottle. And instead of assembling the Legos piece by piece, I'm gonna put all the Legos that I want into the bottle and I'm gonna shake it up and all the red Legos are gonna attach to the blue ones and the green ones are just gonna stay down, right? That's essentially what we're doing with particles is this very specific assembly of the particles based on the presence of the GMO, for example, or the maybe it's a Roundup Ready trait or something like that. Right. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. It's like we're going to identify it and our particles will assemble based on that identification. And we have a device that we've made that can detect that assembly um, and identify it and then give you that quantitative result um, that we're working on. So that's what, our what we're developing, trying to do that at a fast time. So instead of shaking the bottle for hours, can I shake it quickly and get that same result? So good and so important. To producers, right? To your point, they pull yeah. up the elevator. It's a yes or no. It's GMO or non-GMO. And there's a premium associated. And that premium was required all year. I mean, they put additional effort into that, that growing cycle. They put additional work into that growing cycle. And to lose that premium is a really significant challenge for producers. So, so grateful 
so grateful you and the team are solving it. And Ryan, I think back to that first time you and I met, I guess it was last year, a mutual friend of ours connected us and yeah. uh, we started talking about Indiana. And I think we offered, if I remember this right, it was like a, a week and I said, hey, you should, you should come out next Friday. And you said, okay. <laughs> and so we had a I chance we, for you to- yeah. Yeah, I think, go, I, mean, was, I, call, I think we said I called your bluff on that one. <laughs> yeah, I think, and you did, which was great because I think I got home like at midnight the night before and we had a 7.30 meeting the next morning, but it was awesome yeah. because that day you got a chance to meet with life science leaders. We met with the Indian Economic Development Corporation, folks at the state, incredible team. We met with a number of leaders here in the ag bioscience in Indiana. Talk me through the process. You go back to Iowa. Talk me through the process. You worked with your business partners, the rest of the team at NanoBio. What what was the message to them and what stood out about Indiana that ultimately said, hey, yeah, we're moving the company? Yeah, I think it was we could feel the support that we had actual institutional. We had institutional support around our, not just our problem, but us as a company, too. Right. And I think that was very, very unique that the first thing I identified is, OK, great. I made a connection with you and we had an industry partner, Brad Fruth at Bex, um, who was a big supporter of us that made that connection. So that's great. That's one connection. And that's really awesome. But what happened was not only did we make that, you know, you can't help us with directly with our problems, but you knew someone else who, who might be able to, or help with one side of it. Right. So maybe that's Jessica tower. And I actually need to get a lot of information back to her, but um, <laughs> Jessica, if you're listening, yeah, Ryan's I'm coming really back. Sorry. <laughs> we're going to get it done. I promise. Anyway, but you know, we're going to connect there and then we're going to connect with Purdue um, or IU, right, with whatever need we need for this side. And then there's the elevate wing. And so all of a sudden, you know, we have higher ed support around our problem and, and us as a business, right? We've got the venture wing of Indiana and Elevate Ventures, who's like, yep, let's get you into the state. Let's connect you with the SBDC program to get you like an actual Indiana business, you know, permission to operate here, right? Um, let's get you connected with them so that you can apply to our programs and pitch in our competitions and apply to our funds. And then, you know, we start with that Indiana government institutional wings, right? The higher ed and everything. And then we start to work into those industry partners who are also working with. And I think that that was a big difference from other places we had looked is not just, you know, industry didn't just operate on its own and hire and you can have enough split ups within government organizations where they don't even know what they're doing, but the IEDC, the SBDC, Agronovus, Elevate, everybody knew what everyone was supposed to be doing and said, okay, connect here to do this, connect here to do that. Um, Dan Drexler was a big help just getting, he basically listed out this, you need to do this first, second, third, fourth. Now you're an Indiana company, do that. So I think that was, that was just like, I could see the timeline play out in a three month scale or a two month scale. Cause we met, I looked it up actually today. We met September end of okay. September. We, I came out, I think the next week. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. So that's yeah. we're in October now. And then I moved here November 1st. It's amazing. Like that doesn't, I don't think that happens any faster. Now, obviously like I'm not pulling a ton of employees with me at the moment, right? We're a small company. So we're certainly faster than a big company moving its whole headquarters here. Right. But that's still a lot of things that have to play out just to send in applications and things to actually right. make it um, available. So moved here. And then also let's just throw in two weeks later, I pitched an elevate pitch competition and we won. So right. Good. So 
you know, that all just came to fruition very, very quickly. And that's a big tribute. Obviously we did a lot of work, but that's, I can't do that on my own. Right. That's, that's like 20 other people who helped us on a short time scale to make something happen. Um, who really didn't have to, right. There's like, Oh, this is just a startup from Iowa. Like what's going on. Right. So we definitely felt the value um, and that we were wanted and needed and recruited and, and felt that there was going to be a place not only to just start a project here, but actually grow a company. So that's why we're here. <laughs> so good, Ryan. And I'm grateful, truly grateful for you investing in Indiana, for making the bet in Indiana. And I will tell you, we are elated you're here uh, from, from every member of the team that you just mentioned and so many more. Nanobiodesigns is the exact kind of company that we want to do everything we can to help because the work that you're doing, we've talked about it, is so critically important to the ag bioscience economy. In Indiana, production agriculture is roughly a $13 billion economy. The food industry that you talk about with GMO is a $29 billion industry. So that yeah. both sides of the production system are here and to have innovators like you, it's exactly what we need to grow this economy. And Ryan, just again, thank you for being here. I have one more question for you before we yeah. wrap up. This is going to be a big one. So what's the future look like, not just for nanobiodesign, although I want to hear that, but what's mm -hmm. the future of this industry look like? Where, where are we headed? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the big thing is that it's on genetic detection occurring on a consumer level, right? I think in the past, genetic detection happened in labs. It happened in research facilities. You know, infectious diseases has always been a part of that. But you're, you definitely have a more educated consumer on the health side as well as the food side now. People know what a PCR test is. People know right. what a rapid test is now. That was like, that actually has helped us a lot in explaining what we do. And so you now have genetic detection needs from the consumer at that level of consumption. Right. And so you it's that education of the consumer and wanting that wanting all that information, knowing what they're going to be buying with that product. Right. So maybe it is my potato chips and they want to know, you know, Frito-Lay might have their own genetic requirements for producing the potato chips based on like I need these growers to grow this specific genetic variety to give me the best yield in a potato chip that I need to make because of the protein content those traits are producing. Right. So you, you definitely have the genetic detection there. But. Consumers want to know that too, so that they can make a decision for themselves. And I think that's what really matters at the end of the day. So 10 years from now, it's, it's that fully educated consumer value of knowing what traits are, are producing what in their food, um, I think is really going to probably play out um, now that all this information is becoming available. I mean, just on the internet practically, right? And so that's, that's probably where it's going to be going. I hope that nanobio designs is at that point of, providing that information, not just at the elevators, but maybe we are able to have that, you know, that smaller device or something that we can make to, to be at a consumer level as well. Um, I think that's probably, that's my opinion anyway. I love it. What a great vision. It's Ryan Scar. He's chief operating officer of Nanobio Designs, a new Indiana company. And Ryan, we are elated you're here. Thanks so much for investing the time with us today. Thanks, Mitch. And thank you for tuning in to the Ag Bioscience Podcast. Always, you can get the latest Ag Bioscience news and innovation and our complete library of the Ag Bioscience Podcast online, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can always learn more online at agronovasindiana.com. On behalf of the entire Agronovas Indiana team, I'm Mitch Frazier thanking you for listening. 
We look forward to seeing you real soon. This podcast is a product of Inside Indiana Business, hosted by Gary Dick and produced by Kayla Chittister and Joe Ullery. More people get Indiana Business news from Inside Indiana Business than any other source.